You're listening to the Is This Odd Dr. Todd program from Los Angeles Magazine Studios, the show where you can get all your medical questions answered without an office visit. Please welcome comedy writer Dimitri Pappas and family medicine physician Dr. Todd Spector. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Is This Odd Dr. Todd. I am Dimitri and joined by Dr. Todd. Dr. Todd. Hey, we just forget your name for a minute. <laughs> well, I, I'm used to you introducing me as Dr. Todd. That's a, sort of my, my moment of fame. I know. That was my little reflex moment. You know, doctors test reflexes. That was me <laughs> testing to see how long it was going to take you to kick back and jump in. <laughs> yeah, right. You thought you caught me sleeping. That's right. How are you, Dr. Todd? Um, I'm well, thank you. I'm doing well. Good, good start yeah. to the year. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, you know, probably less, less busy than you are. Cause I don't have to, to deal with all this, you know, this saving lives and having people you know, like calling you at all, at all. Do you get calls at all hours of the night? Do you, are you still in that phase of, of being a doctor? I am. I am. I do get calls at all hours of the day and night, but Ideally, people don't need much when they're sleeping. It's more like when they're traveling in another time zone that I'll get phone mm. calls from them at night, but it's pretty infrequent. There's, I mean, I don't know how many emergencies you've had in the middle of the night where you needed a doctor, but they're not that common. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, do you do, do you, uh, make house calls? Yeah. If someone was like, hey, we had a problem, do you go over their house in the middle of the night? Well, um, typically not in the middle of the night, because if it's that type of an emergency, they really need to be in a place where the facilities are there to figure out what's going on, whether it's to do labs or x-rays or imaging, or, you know, if they need a procedure or something, you know, yeah. to, for me to show up there in the middle of the night, like even if you, you know, Some had a cut on your forehead that was bleeding, I mean, someone called me over the holidays and it was three o'clock in the morning and he'd slipped and fell and had a cut on his forehead. He's like, should I go to the emergency room? I'm like, you don't need to go to the emergency room right now for that. You know, just hold pressure on, it'll stop bleeding and you can go in the morning when you wake up and it's totally fine. Oh. You know, so that type of stuff is more what people call me and I'm more diverting people from like running out in the middle of the night because most things, and then, you know, sometimes people will call me and I'll say, look, I think this needs to be evaluated, but I'm not the one usually running over there in the middle of the night because there's not that much to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine like, it's probably better for you to not to be going to someone's house in, in the middle of the night, six, five, two fifty. I yeah. will say we have a neighbor here that it's a, a kind of an older couple. This is they, she hurt her knee. I think, I think she tripped and hurt her knee. And so they had called for help, but so I guess they were sending like an ambulance or a fire truck and something like that. This couple went around to all, I'm going to call the sec. This couple went around to all the houses while she was injured I saw it on the ring camera. I wasn't home to let everyone know that there was a fire truck coming or something and not to be alarmed, like injured. I thought that was the nicest thing in the world. <laughs> that is very considerate. Most people are and, not that considerate. Yeah. And you could see her like hobbling away on like, I don't know, is bizarre and super sweet. But that's what I feel like people would need to do. If, if you know, you were coming over in the middle of the night, I think you got to let the neighbors know, hey, don't worry. Anybody in the house, don't worry. There's a giant dude coming over. You're not hallucinating. He's coming to help. Well, in the hospital, um, they have these, this team. It's called the lift team. And it's usually these big burly guys who will help patients who are immobile get in and out of bed. And I would often help those guys out. If if you're calling them big and burly, then I can just imagine they must be 
Um, well, sometimes yeah. they would send like two of them over, one of them over. They might need a hand and they'd grab me out of a hallway and say, look, can you give us a hand? And so I would come in and, you know, help, help yeah. move patients around. Has anyone been surprised by your stat? Has anyone ever shot you with a tranquilizer dart? <laughs> no. Okay. Maybe not. No. Okay. No. Just checking. All right. Well, I think it's probably time. Good question. We're here for a reason, and it's not for our, our fun little banter back and forth. It's for, I think I need a sip of water. Doc, am I okay? Yeah, I think you're fine. <clears throat> Let's get to the questions. All right. I'm excited. Yeah. <clears throat> Dear Dr. Todd, my 14-year-old daughter has really painful periods. Mm. Would an IUD work to alleviate cramps? Is she too young for this? And is there any reason it would be bad to eliminate her periods by using an IUD? Mm. Thank you, Brooke. Let's start with what an IUD is. Yeah. Dimitri, you're getting better at this. That was like the first thing I was going to say is an IUD huh. is an intrauterine device. And it looks like a, it looks like a T. And they're plastic, and they actually have a copper coil wrapped around the arms of the T. Some of them um, excrete hormones locally, and some of them are just the plastic device with the copper wrapped around it. And essentially what it does is it's, it goes into the cervix, so through the vagina, through the cervix, up into the uterus. And the uterus kind of looks like this you can kind of make out that there's like a T-shape might fit in there well and not fall out. It's actually, I can't make the shape perfectly with my fingers, but it kind of has this hourglass thing so the arms fit in the corners of the uterus and then the long part of the T kind of is vertical in the uterus and there's strings that come out through the cervix. For those of you that are listening and not watching on YouTube, yeah. I want you to know Dr. Todd has been doing a Pictionary version <laughs> of drawing a uterus in the air, and it's quite entertaining. But sorry, go on. Yes. And so IUDs were first introduced in the early 70s, and the particular IUD that was being used at that time led to a few cases of pelvic inflammatory disease, which is um, could lead to a severe abdominal infections and sterilization in women. And essentially, the that type of IUD was prone to getting uh, colonized with bacteria such as chlamydia that would end up causing pelvic inflammatory disease. So IUDs really fell out of favor for a long time. And then probably 10 to 15 years ago, doctors started to reintroduce them because they're an incredibly effective form of birth control. They're more effective than the pill. You don't have to remember to take it. They don't do anything to prevent uh, transmission of STDs like condoms would, <clears throat> but they're very effective. It sounds prehistoric, though. It, you're talking about a, a, a tea with copper, and it sounds like, I mean, is uh, okay. I'm, it, I, it, I, it does sound, it's pretty, but it's, you know, the, you don't, you know, but the, the reason that they work in this case to Brooke's question is that it's essentially the ones that secrete hormone, there's a brand that secretes a hormone, that ultimately what will happen is you'll put the IED in, the person will still have their hormonal cycles, but eventually the lining of the uterus, the endometrium, which is what comes off during a period, it sort of sheds during the period, will become very thin and not shed. And so people who have really severe bleeding and cramps will benefit 
tremendously from this. It can be life-changing. Hmm. Um, and so you can, and, and, and so people used to not use them in 14 year olds because they were like, well, you know, if they haven't been pregnant before, it could potentially lead to sterilization. That's not true. There's no risk of placing this in a 14 year old. And if for some reason they don't tolerate it for whatever reason, they don't like it. They're having worse. Some people occasionally get worse cramps with them, which is not uncommon in the first couple of months. But ultimately, after the first three months, usually people do a lot better, but they're very easily placed. They can be placed in any doctor's office. They can, you know, usually it's with an ultrasound over the abdomen and it's, it's like as simple as having a pap smear, which is easy for me to say, but it's, it's really just not that complicated a place and they're even easier to remove. Wow. So I, so it, hmm? in Brooke's case, then for her daughter, you're saying you're, you're recommending this? I would, I would, I would at yeah. least talk to their doctor about it, uh, to her daughter's doctor. I think that would be really helpful. And I think that the other option on the table could be, um, continuous oral contraceptive pills, which you take three months at a time, but you have to remember to take the pill every day. If you miss a day, you might get some breakthrough bleeding. It's a lot for a 14 year old to remember. It is, you know, they can have more side effects, the pills than IUDs in terms of, Weight changes, skin changes, uh, mood changes, depression, et cetera. Some people it's tough get, for a teenager. Yeah. So I very much am in favor of IUDs for teenagers for help with severe uh, menstrual cramps, pain. And, and, and certainly if they're using it for contraception, I typically I'll always recommend that they use a second form of barrier contraception to prevent, which is condoms to, okay. uh, to prevent STDs. All right. So, so Brooke said, um, it said, would it be bad to eliminate her periods? But this, this doesn't eliminate a period, right? No, it doesn't eliminate. It might eliminate the bleeding, but it doesn't eliminate the hormonal cycle. But no, there's no harm in not having a period. None. Okay. Because I was going right. to say, if that was the case, I feel like I, this is just, uh, I'm obviously from a guy's point of view. I think women would don't like their periods, right? I think they would. If there was a way to eliminate them, I think more people would be jumping at that. I do. I do. And, and, and women also, also come to me all the time. They're like, Hey, I had my IED placed after my last pregnancy and my periods went away. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's terrific. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's great. And they're like, well, that's wonderful. That's one, one less thing to think about. And so, yes. And I think the other, um, the other piece of it with the IUDs is that, that they, I think they have about 99% efficacy in terms of preventing pregnancy. So if you are using it for contraceptive, they're really more effective than almost anything other than sterilization. Hmm. But that's not the case here with Brooke. Her, her question was about her 14 year old. Yes, right. it's safe. Yes, talk to your daughter. Um, there's no harm in using this and there's no need to get a period every month. Who would have thought a little tea with copper on the end could, uh, you know, I mean, there is shaped thing, not tea, like drinking tea, but yeah, I don't want to wax on too much, but there's a lot to say about this. Okay. Well, uh, listen, I'm sure, I mean, it, that was uh, pretty informative. I think we answered Brooke's question and I'm sure, you know, if anybody else has more IUD questions, send them in because I think Dr. Todd is chomping at the bit to talk, to talk about him. He's got more to say is what he's saying. I got more but to say for now. That. Okay. For now, we'll get on to the next question. Okay. Dear Dr. Todd, I was watching the Golden Globes, and there was yet another playful joke about Ozempic. The fact that they all make such light of it leads me to believe that it's not too dangerous. Can anybody use Ozempic for weight loss, even if they're not diabetic? 
Thanks, Carrie. Um, at least there was one good joke from the, or one <laughs> takeaway from. Yes, the I Globes. I did not see the Golden Globes, but I heard a lot about uh, the, uh, the 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 a lot of the jokes did not land very well. I'd I'd like to maybe get some thoughts about that. You know, there's a whole other that's a that's a whole other podcast. I'll spend an episode <laughs> on on what I think could have been. Listen, it's a difficult thing to do, but um, I, I think there are some things that could have been done differently all around that would have helped that. Uh, tremendously. But yeah. for this, for the Ozempic thing, yeah. definitely don't take your medical advice from from Joe Coy, right? right. So let's let's go to Dr. Todd and find out the, the real okay. answer on this one. So there's a whole new, there's not really a new class of medications. These have probably been around for 15 years, these GLP-1 antagonists like Ozempic or Manjaro or Rugovi or Sixenda. Those are the brand names that people might have heard of. And essentially, they were designed to help promote insulin use in your body in short, like not, you know, that your body, people with diabetes either have insulin resistance or they don't make enough insulin. And these medications help to sort of your pancreas to produce a little bit more insulin, your body to be a little bit more sensitive to it. But they had this very interesting effect in that people were starting to lose weight who were on these. And they were saying that I don't have cravings for sweets or even to eat. And I, you know, interestingly don't want to smoke anymore. And I've have no desire to gamble. These really weird things that were re not related not to, to diabetes at all. Yeah. Not to gamble. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like a little magic thing that just wipes away all your, not, I shouldn't say all your addictions, but stuff that could, you know, they were not, ex we, I should say as doctors were not expecting this, but I remember the first time I saw this uh, was probably in like 2010 or so. And I had this patient who was not, he didn't care about his diet. I mean, this guy had terrible diabetes. He was always eating cheeseburgers and fries and milkshakes and just, it was impossible to, to manage. And all of a sudden he came in one day and he had lost like 30 or 40 pounds. And I, I hadn't seen him in like three months. I said, what happened to you? He said, oh, my doctor gave me this new medication. I don't know what she gave me, but I'm mad because I don't want to eat anymore. And I was like, huh, Okay. And it was one of these medications similar to Ozempic. And so, you know, I don't recommend Ozempic for people who have five or 10 pounds to lose. That's not a good person to use this for. I would say someone who is 30 to 50 pounds overweight, who's tried diets, um, it works very well for postmenopausal women. It works very well for children with obesity, but the issue with Ozempic and these medications is that if you stop it, unless you've made real significant behavioral changes, you're going to gain the weight back. So right. these medications are typically very safe. Um, we see some side effects with them like weight, like GI distress, like constipation, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. Uh, I have seen some renal insufficiency from people because they also lose their desire to drink. So they're not not drink alcohol, but that happens too, but drink even water. So they get a little renal insufficient. And then um, first I am seeing some muscle loss in both men and women, which is a concern if you're going to be on this long-term, but in general, That's they're very safe. And I think that they will be revolutionary in this country for treatment of obesity and the complications of it. Well, that's good news. Yeah. Um, but so I don't know too much about, is this something that you get prescribed or is this something yeah. that you go and buy? You get no, no, this is something you get prescribed. This is, okay. and, and so typically, yeah, they're usually when people come in and they want to talk about weight, 
and we'll, we'll you know review their diet how they're eating, when they're eating, what they're eating, what their exercise is like, review medications, and of course, look at labs. And, you know, for I, you know, originally when people started prescribing this for weight loss, uh, you know, I tend to be a slow adopter in general because I want to, I don't want to, I don't like the bright new things in medicine because there's lots of them. And all of us have heard stories of when my doctor put me on this. And then lo and behold, they found it had all the side effects. I just, didn't want to rush into this, but now I'm pretty liberal with this in the right patient populations and people are really, really happy with it. Yeah. Well, you sound um, kind of caught me by surprise a little bit there you, because normally I think, you know, when there's a drug that, that can cause weight loss and then I actually had the opposite thought of Carrie. Carrie said she was watching the Golden Globes and it was a, yet another joke. And so she thinks if everyone's, I get what she's saying. If, if everyone's laughing about it, it can't be that dangerous. But I think when there's something that's for weight loss and they start joking about people in Hollywood taking it, I figure there's got to be some really weird side effects or some danger to it. So I, I, not that you're saying that there's not at all, but I was surprised by your by your take on this. Yeah. And some of the stuff in the past, like fentermine was the one that everybody was really worried about because it might have some cardiovascular issues or there was people who were taking a lot of speed you know, in the seventies that could, you know, Adderall type stuff that would suppress your appetite that obviously wasn't very good for you. But this one is pretty safe in the right populations. And I, I think that, you know, for the people who are really suffering with disease related to obesity, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but certainly something to talk to your doctor about. I think, you know, one of the big issues for people is the cost of the medication. Um, it's not indicated for everybody. And so the insurance mm -hmm. won't always pay for it. And it can, be pretty expensive. So that's something else to think about. But that'll that'll change. So really just the people that need it, like the A-listers in an award show audience. <laughs> right. It's not, yeah, it's it's really um yeah, for the people who want to lose five or ten pounds, it's not the right, it's not the right medication or approach. So it's not to jump start like, oh, I'm gonna take this a little bit, then I'll start working out and it'll just give me a little launch. It's not that type no, of thing. No. No. Okay. I don't know if that type of thing exists. But no. Right. No, I don't think so. Otherwise, <laughs> right. we'd know. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on to the next question. Dr. Todd, one of my testicles is bigger than the other. It seems to fluctuate. Not which one, sorry, <clears throat> not which one is bigger, but more like sometimes it's much bigger than the other and sometimes not so much. So mm. thanks, Manny. So just to be clear, he says his, his one testicle is bigger than the other and it fluctuates not like, you know, when he holds his breath, it blows up like a balloon. He's saying sometimes it's a quite a bit bigger than the other one. And sometimes it's not as much, but it's always the same one that's a little bit bigger. Can you do that? You Is that something you can do? I mean, I don't think so. That's, why, <laughs> that's, what, that's what piqued my interest at first. I thought it was like a balloon animal trick. But. Um, well, typically the testes are asymmetric in how they are in the scrotum, meaning one's a little bit lower than the other. So it can appear that they're different sizes. Sometimes people can have what's called a varicocele, which is a collection of blood vessels, or a hydrocele, which is a cystic structure on the posterior aspect of the testis that can kind of make one testy seem bigger than the other. And then, of course, for testes that have irregularities, you know, it's very rare, but we worry about cancers. But this sort of waxing and waning of size of the testy makes me feel like maybe 
this is related to a varicocele, um, which is the collection of blood veins, blood vessels, poster. It kind of looks like in the testing we described it as a bag of worms in the scrotum. Um, it has this kind of veiny look to it. Um, but I think that if this is the case for Manny, I, I think he should probably see his doc, then see a urologist, and the urologist could do an ultrasound and just make sure that everything looks okay. And my suspicion with this would be a benign finding called a varicocele. And the only reason we would ever worry about a varicocele is soon as it can lead to lower sperm count. So some people who are trying to conceive you know, may have a more difficult time if they have a large varicocele because it heats up the temperature of the testy, which diminishes sperm production. Hmm. Now, could this, did any of the, what you described, because I'd be lying if I said I followed all of it. Is any of that part of like a hernia? Like, could this be a result of a hernia? Like with, with, um, well, good. I'm sorry you didn't follow. Maybe I can clarify the things you didn't follow. And I'm sure then, the listeners did. I'm just, you know, I'm just. So I said, let me just try and make it simple that typically the size of the testes shouldn't wax and wane. It shouldn't get larger and smaller. I suspect okay. that this is probably a benign process and maybe more his perception than actually what's happening, but it's possible. I would recommend that he see his doctor and get an ultrasound to evaluate it. And um, a hernia can involve the scrotum, um, but it doesn't typically look like a it doesn't feel like a testy. It's it's something different. Um, so no, it would not include okay. a hernia. Okay. Although, wait, Dimitri, hold on. Oh, Sometimes, hold on. This just in. Go ahead, yeah, Dr. Todd. Yeah. It just made me think that a hernia can slide in and out of the scrotum. And so it's possible in Manny's case that if the hernia is protruding down into the scrotum, he might feel it, and then it retracts back up into the intestine. He doesn't feel it, and then he's thinking, why is it getting bigger and smaller? But it might actually – so that might be a good thought, Dimitri. But all of this can be Look seen – Look at me. Yeah, pretty well on an ultrasound. Look at me. I have a – well. So that was a good no question, way. actually. A lot of anatomy, lots of pathology. Yeah. Um, guys are very good at testicular self-exam in general. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the next question. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Todd, will my vagina be noticeably larger if I have a child? Thank you, M. Was a lot of people looking down at their genitals in uh, in 2024. I know. Uh, I hopefully that's not a, a sign of, of the year, but go well, on. Well, I think that's a good question. So the, sh the short answer is you shouldn't notice too much of a change in the long term following childbirth. But in the short term, immediately following delivery, the vagina is quite a bit bigger because a baby that can be, you know, seven to 10 pounds has to pass through this small opening that's usually the size of about a walnut. Um, and that has a lot to do with hormones and relaxing the muscles of the pelvis and the ligaments in the, um, in the pelvis. Um, but, and then, you know, there can be tears and this and that in the vagina during the delivery, but those typically heal. They can get sewed up by a doctor. And usually the vagina goes back to its original condition, original shape following the delivery. There will be, you know, the cervix looks a little bit different, but the vagina itself will not be, you know, stretched out in, in her, uh, her concern. Um, and, you More know, an elastic yeah, type of thing. Hmm. More like an elastic yeah, type of thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's a more elastic tissue and muscular. Now, now, in a person who's had an, a numerous children or even a couple of children who, as they get older and they lose the estrogen in their tissue because they go through menopause, 
some of those people can have difficulty with organs prolapsing coming out through the vagina, whether it be the bladder or the rectum, because the tissue has lost its elasticity, but not in the short term. And there's lots of things we can do for that if, if it's an issue. And, um, but, you know, typically we, we will recommend women after having childbirth, you know, that, that they do Kegel exercises, which is kind of squeezing, like if you were trying to not pee, that, you know, trying to squeeze that sphincter muscle and clench down a little bit kind of helps to build the strength up. But she, I, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be terribly concerned about this. I do that a lot. Not for that purpose, but the, the not trying not to pee thing, right. so, you know, sitting right. in traffic. I always have to pee. Um, so is that is that kind of why people maybe have few, they talk about like vaginal rejuvenation? And, and is that something that people is there some sort of laser or some sort of surgery or something that helps with that? Or is that yeah. not something that's there are some laser therapies that can sort of tighten up the tissue of the vagina and they're more um, they're you know, but not immediately following childbirth. I think those are more things reserved for women in their, as you know, they kind of enter their forties, late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I would like to kind of just focus on for a quick second is M said, <laughs> will my vagina be noticeably larger if I had a, and what I, I was wondering if you were going to go here noticeably, like how, like by you or by like, Someone like, are other people going to notice? You know what I mean? Like, right. I know a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people wear like uh, workout pants as opposed to baggy. So I, I and I'm not, I, I started this as a joke, but I was also kind of like, does she mean like, is it going to be noticeable? Like by who, by someone, by a partner or by herself or I wasn't sure. So I was, I was a <laughs> I mean, confused by noticeably this, is what threw me. Usually this question is about intercourse and sexuality following the delivery of children, meaning is right. my partner still going to find this pleasurable? Is my vagina going to be too big to be, you know, pleasurable? And that's not typically the case. Okay. All right. Good. Good to know. That's usually the question people are asking when I hear this question. That's what it's for. It's, right. So no, not noticeably large is not like visually. It's more like <laughs> yeah, noticeably. Is it? No, it's not a visual. They're visually, especially... From externally, it will look identical. Okay. That's what I figured. I just think, you know, you know, this is what we do is we clear up um, odd things for people. And it, 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 the off chance that someone out there was wondering, I thought I might as well. Yeah. I'm sure there's some gynecologists kind of listening to this, scratching their heads, being like, are you sure? But no, I think well, that. <laughs> I'm not I claiming think, to be the doctor. Right, right, right. I think that in, in general, things go back to normal and there shouldn't be anything noticeable different. Um, and later in life, you may notice something if you've had a number of children after you go through menopause. Right. Okay. All right. Let's get on to, I think we have one more question we have time for today. Dear Dr. Todd, I have a slight history of heart trouble in my family and my wife says that I get too worked up while watching TV, mostly sports. Hmm. First of all, I don't think that I do. But second, is it possible for someone to get too worked up watching TV to a point where it could be dangerous? Thanks, Peter. So good question um, again. So cardiovascular disease is a leading, leading cause of death in men. And, um, you know, it's, it's in a large part preventable. Now, we're all eventually going to die, unfortunately. But... You know, in the 
you know, most of human history, people thanks for the downer. Most <laughs> people would die of heart disease, and especially in the United States, where we had a diet that was high in animal fats, and in particularly in the 20th century, when people smoked a lot of tobacco, the hyperlipidemia and tobacco combine that with blood pressure and blood sugar abnormalities. Those are the risk factors for cardiovascular disease. So now we can really control, you know, very many fewer people smoke because of the awareness of how bad tobacco is. Um, if you go to your doctor and your cholesterol is high, the doctor can give you medications called statins that can help lower it and blood pressure and blood sugar can also be controlled really well. So when people say I have a family history of heart disease, you know, they might be talking about a grandfather who died watching football when he was like 70 years old in 1975, you know, and that was not uncommon. Um, but I think the question is, if you're having cardiovascular pain, which we call angina, and every time, you know, you get excited and worked up and your chest starts to hurt, you get pain in your arm and your jaw, and it, you know, happens when you're walking up and down the stairs or when you go out to work out, that's something we should have looked at rather soon by a doctor and um, make sure that there isn't an issue with imminent heart attack. Um, and so right. some of the ways people do a treadmill test where we can hook them up to an EKG and have them walk or run on a treadmill and we can see changes in the EKG that signify that there might be um, decreased blood flow. They can do nuclear tests, they, all kinds of different ways of evaluating it. But typically, if you just say to someone, don't get too worked up, you've got a family history of heart disease, there has to be more detail to that question. But I would say to this person, what was the name again? Uh, it was from Peter, I believe. Peter. But it, but again, it's, his wife is saying that he's getting too worked up. He said he doesn't think so. He doesn't think he gets too worked up, but he also doesn't. Now, let's say Peter's a guy who let's say Peter's a guy who hikes, you know, ten miles three times a week and runs up and down stairs and feels great and has no chest pain. He can get up as worked up as he wants to. If this right. is the guy, if Peter's a guy who walks up the stairs, is holding his chest huffing and puffing, and then he starts watching a football game and experiences the same thing, he should be evaluated. If he's yeah. just having a good time and feels great and he's a great athlete, there's no reason that getting worked up worked up is, is dangerous. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you get worked up, Doctor? Like do you watch, say, like Grey's Anatomy and just get worked up and be like, that's not how it's that's not how it happens or sometimes you... sometimes I I do watch stuff on TV and I'm like, Oh God, I'm like, I just, but you know, it's like, it's much less boring, you know, right. in, it's much less boring to see these dramatic. I mean, always the way I hate to say it, but the way that sort of people die so dramatically in movies and television. I mean, unfortunately I've been at the end of a lot of people's lives and it's never that dramatic. Yeah. Okay. It's never, it's, it's dramatic for the people who are there but not right. the person who's actually dying. But in the movies, you know, the person's whispering something and, you know, hold, clutching their chest and putting their hand on their forehead. And it's never quite like that. Well, it's more entertaining to watch, but uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's a good, that's a good note. Don't go to the, to a movie like that with you because you'll be sitting over there. <laughs> that's not how it happens. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. No, that's okay. Well, so good. So it sounds like, Peter's wife is being overcautious, which is sorry, being cautious, which is cautious. nice. Yeah, and and Peter just wants to make sure, you know, we're a few weeks out from the Super Bowl, he wants to make sure that um, 
that he's able to watch. And and I, I used to, I used to get, thank you for asking Dr. Todd. Yeah. I used to get worked up um, sometimes watching sports and stuff like that. And then one day I was just like, what am I doing? Like, there's just so many times, like you get to a point where you expect your team to win. And if they don't, it just became too much. And I was like, I can, now I can enjoy sports. Sometimes I'll get worked up if it's a, if it's a big game, but I really found a way to just kind of lower that in general, not for any health reasons, but I was like, it's, it's just too much. There's there's too many bigger things than yeah. I mean, I love an exciting match, and I love the drama, but I don't personally get invested in it. But I love watching sports and watching people compete. And in particular, what I really love is watching. I love watching these really long tennis matches that are just like these chess matches that are so physical. And it's always amazing to me when someone goes down three or four games in a set and you think all is lost and they just somehow pull it together during a changeover and just come roaring back. And somehow they like willed that to happen or they figured something out or they forgot about what had happened. I always love watching that. Dr. Todd, I haven't seen this. You got a little aroused there, I think. I so well, that's all mindset. That's all, you know, that's real. It's sort of seeing the effects of mindset training. And I know the athletes are all excited about that, but I'm, you know, I I think that's a very powerful tool for humans. Well, actually, uh, funny enough, um, I'm going to do a little plug here for LA Magazine because speaking of things that, you know, that kind of gets you riled up, (laughs) uh, watching something that could. They've been working on something, and I think tomorrow, January 18th, um, at 6 o'clock, LA Mag, it's at lamag.com, you can see um, the district attorney debate. And I know this sounds like, especially for you legal buffs and stuff like that, or political buffs, this is supposed, 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 supposedly, thank you, I just did a Joey Tribbiani, <laughs> this is supposedly quite an intense thing. So um, if you're interested in that type of thing, the, the Los Angeles County District uh, Attorney debate. It's tomorrow, January 18th at 6 p.m. And it's live streamed on uh, lamag.com. Um, lamag.com. Yeah, right? I haven't seen that but, before, no. Yeah, but make sure you don't have any uh, any issues. And, you know, if you're going to be yelling and getting super worked up. Otherwise, but I, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, I got to tell you, Dr. Todd, this is once again a very informative episode. And, and once again, I, I want to thank the listeners. I know they, they're asking for the information and the producers a, a nice array of questions. And I, and I really do appreciate that. I think if we shoot down Dr. Dr. Todd's Rex, right. Ozempic, not too bad, right. It's gotta be for you. It's a prescription. Don't use it lightly, but it's not, it's not as bad as, as you might think. But again, I say, don't take your advice from, from um, monologues in, um, in shows, right. <laughs> Award shows. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in award shows. Um, IUD for painful periods. Once again, Dr. Todd, I'm a fan of IUDs, right? Yes. Yep. Enlarged testicles. Once again, Dr. Todd is a fan of enlarged. No, wait, that's not right. <laughs> he says probably get it checked out for, for sure, but it could be nothing. It could just be your your uh, envisioning of it or your um, – could be just be some veins, right? Yeah. We, yeah, we talked yeah. about a few things it could be, but – yeah, a noticeably larger vagina after having kids. Not really, not, nothing to worry about there. So, so don't not have kids because you're worried about having a noticeably enlarged vagina. Um, and too worked up at TV, unless you have some real issues, uh, don't worry about it. You know, watch what you like and and be passionate about it. Passion, right, Doctor Todd? Passion in life gets the gets the blood flowing and the heart pumping. So it's not a bad thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I like your, I like your summaries. 
of, of my, of my recommendations. I mean, vote for vaginas. Doctor Todd says fine. <laughs> Doctor Todd, he's in favor of large vaginas. He's in favor of IUDs, and he's in favor of giant testicles. And hey, if you have a giant testicle, you know, take it with Epic. It's going to look even bigger. Right? That's not what he said. But I feel comfortable doing doing a, a, a you know a throwaway recap because they've heard all the information, and you do, you do a great job of delivering it. So yes, um, yes. No, I like it, your summaries. Listen, it's not called Is This Odd, Dr. Todd, for no reason, right? It's definitely <laughs> odd, and you are 100% Dr. Todd. Right. Thanks, Dr. Todd. Thank you, Dimitri. That was fun. Good and thank you to LA Magazine. Don't forget, check out the uh, the live stream of the uh, the LA County District Attorney debate tomorrow, uh, lamag.com. Oh, and don't forget to, to like us, to subscribe, to tell your friends, to leave us comments, the whole thing. If you enjoy the podcast, if you don't, let us know. Well, just let us know. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Is This Odd Dr. Todd program from Los Angeles Magazine Studios. If you have any medical questions and want to hear from Dr. Todd, be sure to email podcasts at lamag.com. Oh.